This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. <laughs> Welcome back to the final instalment of our Christmas specials here at the 1912 Exiles podcast, the original Newport County podcast made by the fans for the fans. If you haven't listened to the earlier instalments of these specials, go back through your podcast feeds where you'll find us discussing our favourite Newport County players. Here, we delve into our favourite strikers and, of course, our most loved managers to lead them on. You know, we've had our Christmas dinner. We've um, we've watched um, oh, we've watched the King's speech now, haven't we? Um, that's gonna be weird. Um, and uh, yeah, we're just waiting for Mrs. Brown's boys to come on. Um, hate that show. Cannot stand oh, it. God. And my dad will be. My dad likes this show, and he'll be listening to this, and he knows how much I hate that show. Anyway, shame on you, Mr. Harris. <laughs> there may well be listeners who are listening to to our podcast so they don't have to watch mrs brown's boy and if if that is you then um, go and pour yourself a dram of something on me you've earned it so we've already so the family row the fifth christmas family row was already breaking out in the harris household here. <laughs> <laughs> he knows my views already on that that torrid show which is has not genuinely another christmas special i do not understand it anyway we digress we're uh yeah we, we might as well you know waste the, the hours while away the evening and talk about our favorite forwards. Uh, this is the one I think everyone's probably most excited about talking about the goal scorers of the past where we, yeah, we'll remember them probably as better than they actually were, but you know, it's, it's good. I, I'm really intrigued about it because there's, there's probably, I found this one really hard to, to nail down my two favorites. Um, and I think everyone's got two at the top, haven't they? So, um, Ooh, who do we start with? Should we? I think we start with Ian because I I think I can guess Ian's, but I think you probably guess one of them. But I don't think you, I doubt you've got them both. So and 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 those of my era are going to castigate me now because the cult hero Tommy Tynan is not in my. He is not my number nine. So that that's that's a bit of a shock, I think, for those who are waiting for that. Um, 
I'll come back to my number nine in a second because there's a bit of a story behind him. So I'm going to go with number 10. And this will be no surprise to anybody, John Aldridge. So, um, you know, a legend, 170 um, appearances for us, 70 goals. Um, possibly, our, you know, we were talking about players we, we, we signed, you know, when you signing players out of non-league and what they did and all the rest of it. I, I'd put I'd put a claim down that he's our greatest ever signing. Um we signed it from South Liverpool for three and a half thousand pounds, you know, a decent amount of money back back in those days, I guess. But you know, look at the career he had, you know, when he came through from us. And you know, and he was part of that, again, part of that great, that great team in the eighties. And then again, we talked earlier about no sell on clauses for, 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 for Peacock at the back. Where was our sell-on clause for John Aldridge? Well, um, it, it, it's worse even than that, Ian, because the reason he signed for Oxford rather than for any of the other teams that were interested in him at the time is because Newport County was so strapped for cash that Robert Maxwell, who was the Oxford chairman at the time, said, I will bike you now cash, hard cash for John Aldridge. Yeah. Um, no sell-on clause. You'll get readies with you within you know two hours or however long it takes to get there by motorbike. And that that's... Why that's where he went. I mean, yeah. you know, you can't imagine that sort of bad business sense happening now. Thank God. You know, so that you know, and that that was the point as we started as that that great team of the early eighties started to get disbanded. You know, Tynan went off to Plymouth, and you know, it was the it was the Aldridge Aldridge going to Oxford. You knew the game was up and things were going to start going wrong. <laughs> <laughs> that's exactly what happened but yeah you know so John Aldridge what a signing what a player um, in the era when it was Tynan and Aldridge together you know Tynan used to get a lot of the he, he was the sort of glory one really you know yeah, he, but for me watching um, I used to love watching I used to love watching Aldridge's movement and you know he, he could he could play right up or he could drop like, really you know a really good really good player and I think there was one you won eighty three. I think it might have been when we almost when we almost won up. They got fifty goals between them that that season. It was you know with most of them coming being assisted by my wingers Kevin Moore and and, and Steve Lowndes. So yeah, Aldridge number number ten. Sorry, Tommy. Um, partly can't pick you because you went off to Plymouth, so you know you, you can't go in my team. Um, and then my number nine. He only played eight games for us, um, but apparently. In the top 100 players ever to play in the Football League. So we're having uh, Trevor Ford uh, as number nine. Uh, a great player and a rebel. So, you know, I like a little bit of that going on. So, well, like I say, I only played a handful of games, but I don't think if I'm looking for the best versions of players, we can't ignore we can't ignore Trevor Ford and who he was. And at his peak, he would walk into this team. Um, fearsome centre-forward. He was John Charles's idol. So, you know, anyone who's John Charles's idol must be able to play a bit, in my view. Um, he scored a goal every other game across his 400 league appearances. He set a British transfer record when he moved from Villa to the Bank of England Sunderland team at the, at the time. Um, he had a goal-scoring record for Wales that only three players have, I think, surpassed since. Um, and a long time before Jimmy Hill was arguing about maximum wage... He was on that bow a long time before that, and then he, he 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 Sunderland paid him extra money, so we took him above the maximum wage, and he got like ostracised for a while. 
and t- had to take himself off and played uh, played in Holland for PSV Eindhoven. During that time, another brilliant decision by the Welsh FA. Wales, Wales were going to the 1958 World Cup where we did pretty well. They didn't take the greatest centre-forward in Britain at the time. If we had done, we'd have won the World Cup before England won it in 66. I rest my case. Number nine, Trevor Ford. Number 10, John Aldridge. That's my front two. I want an entire episode of you just talking about Trevor Ford because... <laughs> That's no, amazing. I think we need to set him a better challenge. He needs to come. He needs to write a poem about Trevor Ford. <laughs> there's, there's, there's a, an end of season special. We're, we're yeah. telling you now, Ian. You've got six months to work on it. It's <laughs> <That's> amazing. <laughs> right, let's move on, shall we? I'm, gonna, I'm going to go go over to Jack actually because I think this if, is probably the most predictable front two. Yeah, you reckon of the entire podcast. It's Julian Alsop and Craig Hughes. Yay! Who would have thought it? Um, starting with Craig Hughes then, Guppy was unbelievable, but came with this sort of sordid background where he was, let's say, affiliated with the naughtier side of Cardiff City. So you've got that dichotomy. As a Newport fan, you've got to accept that your only chance of scoring goals is a bit of a Cardiff City hoobly. Um, but he was our Cardiff City. He was amazing. I loved watch again to go back to the theme of a television show that you'd watch uh, the personalities each week, and you'd go back again and again to watch. He was one, and the thing that I absolutely adored about him because of his tiny stature, you wouldn't think that he'd be an aerial threat. Never seen a guy so little jump so high. He, was, he should have played basketball or something. It was un- unbelievable. I loved that about him. And yeah, all the all the passion that that he showed for us was just amazing. It was disappointing to see him get kicked out of the starting eleven when Charlie Griffin came on the scene. But I, ah, oh, it was this was that was the only difficult thing for me was was it going to be Griffin or Hughes because uh, I adored Charlie almost just as much. So yeah, Craig Hughes is uh, my striker. And then my number one choice on the entire team sheet is undoubtedly Julian Alsop, the funniest guy to watch play. He was funny to talk to. He was funny to watch. His style was just insane. He just had this invisible, like two meter circle around him at all times that people would absolutely leather the ball at his feet. It would glue. And then all of a sudden, it would banana into the back of the net. And it didn't matter where he was, six yard, penalty area, outside the box. It just, it was. It the was the word banana and, you, and Julian also, they're not things that generally go together very comfortably. That, well, depending <laughs> on who you are. Yeah, very uncomfortable. Um, <laughs> yeah. He had some history, let's say. Um, for those that you know, you know. If you don't, I'm not going to say. Um, <laughs> But my fondest memory of Julian Alsop, because he was he was a preferred striker. There was talent around him, and he did well to keep his spot. He scored some important, really important goals, and the plethora of stars that he could score was insane for a man of his stature. He was a very, very large, lardy lad. Um, in, in the end of his era as a football player. Um, but my yeah, my favourite, one of my favourite Newport County memories is when... Spitty the dog, <laughs> Spitty the dog came out, and the outfit was up to his tits, and his his legs were up to his shins, his trousers were up to his shins, and you're thinking, wow, look, he's put on a bit of weight, Spitty. 
Oh, it's it's Julian Alsop, but he's pulled a banana out of his pocket and he's waving it at the crowd, and the crowd goes wild. Um, surreal. I, I didn't know what to make of it as a sixteen-year-old. Still, don't know how to make what to make of it now. But uh, yeah, cherish memories of that team, and Julian Alsop is the cherry on that Beadle era cake for me. I'm loving, I'm loving this, uh, this Beadle era eleven. Honestly, it's, it's so much character. It's just, no, it's incredible amount of character. Um, and that's like, I think that's, I mean, I was a bit t- towards the end of the Beadle era, probably slightly, you know, remember sort of not so much of that, but the characters sort of lingering there, and I think that's that's probably what's really encapsulated Newport over the years. Actually, I think you know you hear all the stories of way back when in the 70s and the 80s there's always that character was that like kind of like something a bit different about the club um and i think it's still there now it was um, so much fun though jamie that era i i like the start of my eras with cornforth that was dry as a cracker sandwich um awful awful boring negative nasty era and then beetle just exploded the joy of non-league football and to make i can't impress this enough to make uh, a 15-year-old boy happy to wear Newport County colours to a PE class laden with United and Liverpool shirts is no mean, mean feat, right? And I did it because, like I said, the personalities of that team from top to bottom were just the best to follow every week. And I haven't felt that way since. And sometimes I have lapses in watching Newport because of the peaks that the Beedleyga gave me. Unfortunately, you know, those times have passed and I'd, I'd love to try and track down some of the plays and see if they would be up for like interviews. I'm sure like, I'm sure Andy Sandell's done a few and uh, with some Swindon podcasts, I'd probably get his number for you, Jamie, but yeah, that would be a nice uh, side. Let's get him on. But yeah, any, any former Newport players, particularly ones who've, who've made it into our teams. If you want to come on the podcast and have a chat, you are always welcome. Give us a shout. 9012 XLs on Twitter, Facebook and wherever. Right, we've still got some strikers to pick. Let's go with Reese next. Yeah, so mine are slightly more recent. So I'm going with um, another Conference South promotion hero, Craig Reed. Um, mm-hmm. What a goal-scoring record he had. He scored 62 league goals in 116 games. Absolutely fantastic. He wow. was unplayable in that division. Yeah. You knew week in, week out that it was just a matter of time before Reed scored in that season he was phenomenal um he were the pairing of him and sam foley as kind of a front two or a four four one one um because that side was was kind of built to be quite um to be solid first and then it was up to the kind of forward two to try and make something and reed made a lot uh, yeah, absolutely fantastic. Yeah. Love watching Reedy. Obviously, his second stint where he came back um, was that the Great Escape season? He came back, um, didn't quite work out. I think he wasn't quite at his best then. Um, but yeah, his first stint with us, absolutely superb. And another promotion hero, which his icon status is made because of Tim Thrace Coventry which Aaron O'Connor with that second goal at Wembley. And I loved watching Aaron O'Connor um, or Aaron O'Connor, I should say. I do apologize. Um, 
Fantastic. Uh, he was always a threat. He, I quite like the personality as well because he always he was good for a quote on he? he would always say what he was on what was on his mind if he was getting some abuse he'd chirp back great but I also he was one of those players that you kind of think whenever he was on the pitch he something could happen and honorable mention I was going to put Scott Twine in as the the second striker just for the for the red rocket boots um as as we've discussed um you know he's he was one of those people that make you move to the edge of your seat when he gets the ball. His, not only the goals he scored, but the goals he makes as well. Um, were he, he made quite a few, not just the ones he scored for us. And he did that at, uh, well, basically everywhere he went. He, he was, um, was he League One Player of the Year last year, MK Dons? He, yeah, he was up there at least, wasn't he? He should have some career, Scott Twine, if he continues on his, you know, current trajectory. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So those are my two strikers. O'Connor didn't score that many for us, really. Um, I have got it here. He had a nasty injury as well, didn't he? Um, he? He missed almost a full season. He scored 29 and 82, but the, the one he did score. That's that, the one that matters, that, isn't that it? One was, mm. uh, you know where you were money. when that went in. I can remember the exact seat and the people around me and my in my mind's eye, I can replay that goal over and over again. I was um, I was doing pub golf in Swansea and I was listening on my phone in Revolutions in Swansea um, and I just cheered, obviously, <laughs> top of my voice in, in this bar full of people who didn't give a shit that Newport were playing. People <laughs> just looked at me strange. Yeah. My, my, my mate uh, who I, I was watching the game with, um, he decided that was the time he should take a quick bathroom break before what he presumed extra time was coming along. <laughs> <laughs> and all I remember is him saying, he heard this cheer and he, the guy next to him, he's just like, at the Uriah just looked and just went, which way has that gone to? No idea. Um, so yeah, he found out eventually, but yeah. <laughs> I was, was, um, um, I'm the oh. Wembley Jinx as well. So that was the only Wembley game that we've had that I haven't been to. And that's the only one we've won. <laughs> Incredible. <laughs> oh, so on, you know what happens when we oh. get there this year, Reese? then? Yeah. We lock oh, him we in a cupboard. It. Exactly. Yeah, we've we've got plenty of um, storage space at 1912 Exiles Towers to keep you, Reese. Don't worry. Right, Ed, you're forward well, to Well, I'm, I'm, I'm going to take a bit of inspiration from Reese and a bit of inspiration from, uh, from Jack. Um, so I was... You know, again, I'm not old enough to have remembered seeing the greats like John Aldridge. I'm not old enough even to have seen people who perhaps weren't um, objectively great footballers, but people like Chris Lilligreen, who, you know, were were there at an important time in in the club's history. But um, what I do have a very strong sense of with County, as well as seeing the likes of, uh, yeah, Julian Allsop and and the joy that went with it... um, was um, over the last kind of five years or so has been that sense of um, sort of falling back in love with football again, having gone and watched it with my kids and going and watching it with with your uh, your children means that you you kind of it re-energizes an enthusiasm with you as you watch games afresh through their eyes and you know they get attached to players in the same way that we get attached to players as as um as children and my, so my front two are not necessarily 
big scorers of goals, but they're both scorers of big goals because it's the players who score the big goals at the big moments um, that kids remember and that form an attachment to a club. And to come back to Jack's point, they are the ones who make you proud to be a Newport fan, even when you are surrounded by people who've taken the easy path of following Liverpool and Man City and Chelsea and blah, 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 blah. Um, and so um, the first one I'm going to go for is a certain Mr. Porrocamond, um, who uh, is my kind of perfect striker, really. You know, I like a fox in the box who is just there. You know, when you've got a, uh, a Jason Bowen on the wing or, you know, any of the other um, players who, you know, Kevin Moore or any of the others, they swing the cross in. Have you got someone who's just just there? They don't need to look up. They're just there on the edge of the six-yard box or the ball r- breaks free and they hit it through a forest of legs and into the bottom corner. Um, and that's what Porokamond uh, would do, but he also had a habit of doing it in the games that really mattered. Um, and in those big cup games, he was the one who would just suddenly out of nowhere get something. Um, and seeing the joy that his goals gave to my uh, my eldest when he first started coming to watch County uh, was a, a great thing. So I'm having him. Uh, and the other one, you know, we've talked a lot about Aaron O'Connor. We haven't mentioned a certain Mr. Christian Jolly, who is the epitome of uh, a scorer of uh, of big goals. Um, and, you know, he didn't get loads during his uh, spell with us, but they all seem to matter, not least that first one at Wembley. Um, and again, just a player who's, kind of poise I always rather liked so I'm having him yeah I remember Jolly's goal actually in the semi-final of that, that yes. playoff run the Grims had Rodney Grimsby yeah 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 such a good goal um you know made a run almost on his own from the halfway line um and then it was just like scored right back across goal wasn't it into that bottom corner and it was just just precision it's one of those goals where you think how has he done that it's just incredible but yeah then it's... the goal in the final as well it sounds wrong, Ed, but when I watched Christian Jolly, he filled my Bowen hole. <laughs> well, whatever works for you, Jack, you know. That's, <laughs> you know you what I mean, though? We, we, <laughs> we were missing the guy that was going to take the piss out of the, the centre-backs, left-backs, whoever, and Christian Jolly was a joy to watch because you, know you knew he had it in him. No, I'm, I've actually also gone with um, with Podge um, for probably all of the reasons you just said. It was just that his goal against Middlesbrough in the cup replay, it was that short corner. Was it taken by TV's Wilmot? I can't remember. Probably. Um, just to the edge of the box and then just fired in with his um, with his right foot into that top corner. One of the best goals I've ever seen. It's just absolutely stunning. If that, you know... That whole, uh, you know, the cliche, you know, if, if Messi had done that or if, you know, what Premier League player had done that, we'd be talking about it as a fantastic goal. That was superb stuff. And yeah, he always came up with the goods. Um, and he always just put a shift in as well. Um, my my team is full of people just putting a shift in and just generally quite likable people. So yeah, Podge is my, my first striker. And then I really struggled with a second striker because I loved Craig Reed until he left for Aldershot and then I hated him for a while because he left for Aldershot because he went in, he went on deadline day and I think he went just after Dean Holdsworth had gone to Aldershot and everyone could see it coming. We're like, oh, goodness sake. Like, oh, couldn't you have gone like three weeks ago so we could have got a replacement for you? But no, no, you went in on, on the last day of the transfer window and um, I think we were a bit shot to pieces. It was January as well, I think. So it was, um, 
I don't know. That always left a bit of a sour taste, but I did, I did love him. And I think I'm still going to go for him despite that, because just Reese taught me back into it, to be honest. I didn't have him in my team and I put him back in just because Reese taught me back into it. Cause again, it was that conference South and conference days where he just looked the business. And I just like players who look the business at that level. Um, I almost very almost went for, and then I thought it'd be a travesty if I went for him because he played about three games for us. Um, the guy we had on loan the year we went to the trophy final, it's a guy called Jake Harris. And yeah, exactly. None of you remember him, but he scored all the goals that got us to the trophy final. Didn't score any goals again. I don't think he even has a Wikipedia page. So I have no idea what he's up to now because I had to look for him. Um, but I loved him so much because also he had my initials. He was a Harris and it was great. Um, and it, I don't know, he just like became a bit of a, um, just this odd player that you'd just love to see come off the bench, but yeah, he did nothing since. And that's why I couldn't have him in the team of my favorite team. But yeah, I just wanted to give him a little shout out because wherever he is, whatever he's up to now, I'm sure that was probably, I think that was the pinnacle of his career scoring a load of goals, get a team into an FA trophy final, but yeah, honorable mentions for the, for the other strikers that, that have made your 11s, your, your jollies, your O'Connors. Um, nobody went for Jammer for Jamil Matt, but um, no, I almost no <laughs> We do need a manager. Every team needs a manager. Every team needs a motivator, a coach, a tactician, um, or arguably all of the above. And we've had quite the the number of characters down the years. Um, so if you could have one. County manager, your favourite county manager of all time. Might not fit at all with the team that you've got, but you know, they might just fit anyway. Who's it going to be? And that there are probably well, there there are quite a few different uh people who could be nominated for this, aren't there? So I'm intrigued. Who's gonna who wants to go first? I'll get mine out of the way, shall I? Go on. Um Peter Beadle. <laughs> yeah, it's gonna be Peter Beadle. Um <laughs> Because, like, the stuff that he did was just hilarious. So I just, like, trawling through some old uh, some old Argus content. Jailed Pear may return to County. <laughs> Newport County boss Peter Beadle has confirmed that talks are planned with former skipper Darren Jones and Andrew Thomas. He built a team of murderers, people that had tags on their legs. It was exciting. It was jailhouse football. And I loved every damn second of it. Peter Beadle forever. I'm out. We tr- we tried that again, didn't we? When we had um, Adam Chapman, David Pipe, and Darren Jones at the same time, we we could have a convicts eleven, couldn't we? That's <laughs> Chris Zabrowski. He was um, what happened oh, to yeah, him? Chris Zabrowski as well. Yeah. <laughs> well. David Pipe was the naughty boy with a glass, wasn't he? We we were a scary side in different times of that. You know, in the last fifteen years, we've had some really nasty stuff. But yeah, Peter Beadle is my absolute number one non-negotiable choice. Um, can't be anyone anyone else i remember when like it's it was an absolute blight on our club that day that we struck the fourth official of a coin um and the guy went down and that was just disgraceful pete beville didn't care he was having it out with every linesman and referee could being like thrown out round the sides of the pitch arguing like and then like defending his actions on the FA Cup Gary Lineker's face is ashen white and it was just the whole thing was again the, the theme of all my picks an absolute drama comedy TV show and I loved it um, yes of course we've had 
Dean Holdsworth and, all, and Justin Edburn, et cetera, et cetera. And they'll all have their um, reasons for being the best, the greatest, the favourite and, and that. And they are my favourites. Um, and we've had some nasty ones and crap ones and have made mention of Cornforth. But Peter Beadle, like pound for pound, the best time. I love that. <laughs> I love yeah. them, Peter Beadle. <laughs> I love that. I love Jack's. I love Jack's. Be it's like it's like sort of you, you've you've sort of put together like a bit of a um, Kelly's Heroes like type dirty dozen type thing, haven't you? That's your approach to this. It's been great. I've loved it. Manager, well, I think you were saying. Everybody was saying I should do it, so I, you know, I'm quite happy to step into that role. But um, no, I'm not going to pick myself. That would be preposterous. Um, but. And I was thinking about this. I think this is quite. This is this is my hardest pick, actually. I all 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 of the eleven. You know, I, I was going back and thinking of um, Billy Lucas for, for for a long time. He was did a massive amount. He was Mister Newport, played for us, managed us, managed us, and he he used to sit in there. You know, before he before he passed away, he used to sit in the corner of the the pub, my local pub in Pontier. He was in and. Um, yeah, lovely, lovely guy was Billy. So you know, I was looking at him and then thinking about Flinny, possibly giving him a, a shout, or just in Edinburgh. You know, really, I've been banging on about the eighties. It should be Len Ashurst. You know, again, unfortunately, you know, passed away recently, and and um, he he was fantastic. But I've, I'm not going for any of them because I'm thinking, do you know what? This is a team that's going to play football. It's going to be Silken. It's going to be James Robry. Is what it's going to be, right? Because, right? About four podcasts uh, ago, you said you won't mention him again. I yes. can't believe. I can't believe this. He's going to do the poem again. No, right, let the, me cue up the music. But the issue, the issue is right. He is, he is a manager who was ahead of his time for us, and who was an idealist. The we feet. didn't have the pl- we didn't have the players to play his style of football. I've put you an 11 on the pitch here that can play Robry ball. Robry ball as it should be played. It should be part Barcelona, part Man City. It's going to be tick attacker with fabulous wingers and aggressive centre-forwards and ball-playing centre-halves. Give this Tina Robry. Let's see what he can do. Well, what do you think will become of him, Ian, genuinely? Because, uh, I mean, I, I think... In some ways, you're right that he was, whether it was a man ahead of his time or whether he was a better manager than the players he had at his disposal. But, you know, there is there is a good coach in there, undoubtedly. But what where, where, where's James Robry in five years' time? He'd probably be a first-team coach somewhere. Probably higher up the leagues. You know, I've literally got no idea. I don't know what he will what he will do next. He's got enough, he's got enough credibility on his coaching side, hasn't he? To, um, you know, to go back into that field. No, idea. no, no idea. I mean, Maybe. I think he'll, I think he'll get another crack at managing at some point, but I, but I, I wonder if that will be next or if he will go back under the coaching side of things and then, then step back out as manager late, later on. I mean, he's only, he's only still in his thirties, isn't he? So he's got, he's got plenty of room for, for growth and development, hasn't he? Maybe yeah. Ed, yeah, maybe Ed that he can give our esteemed ex-manager Anthony Hudson a run and kick him out of a job at the United States. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. I couldn't believe that when before in the green room discussing that Anthony Hudson. Um, <laughs> maybe it'd be a good idea for us to do like worst eleven ever. That'd be quite <laughs> exciting because he would definitely be up there with the manager. But I couldn't believe that that guy is second in command at the Yanks. 
Well, he, 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 maybe, he was head coach of New Zealand, yeah. Yeah. Maybe it underlines the point that, you know, managers you know probably learn a lot. Well, no, maybe it's that, that, that people can, people learn from failure, you know, and, and that's, that's okay. You know, we all, we all make mistakes in life. That's, I'm it's, pretty it's how sure you he it. hired an American footballer to play centre-back. One of the, um, I'm sure one of the quotes that I saw when Anthony Hudson left, they asked him what he had learned. And he said, maybe scout the players at this level before you sign them. <laughs> it was, I don't know whether that's just like an urban legend, but I think that was that one of his brilliant. quotes. That is brilliant. <laughs> wow. Right. There you go. Uh, yeah. Reese, who's your manager? I've gone for Flinney. Um, so in my, my memory of watching the county over the last 15 years or so, We've never performed at a higher level than the two playoff finals under Flinney. And he came in at a time where it looked like literally certain doom. Um, and it's not called the great escape for nothing, is it? Mm. Um, you know, he he picked that team who I think I've listened to in a couple of interviews with some of the players in it. Um, Wesley had got them fit, but they just had no confidence. And he lifted that team. He just came in and he was a good man manager. I'm not going to say he was a perfect manager, but he was perfect for us at that time. And he took us as far as we'd ever gone. And I think on a different day, both of those playoff finals could have gone our way. I think the the first one, well, refereeing decisions, if refereeing decisions in both of those games had gone our way, it could have been completely different. Um, That's and the second one, I think we were the better team on the day as well. We completely outplayed Morecambe. Um, so, you know, we could have been a League One team under Flynn. Very, very, very mm. nearly were. Um, and as I said, in my compared to Ian, short time watching the county, um, that's that's the highest standard I've seen us achieve. Edinburgh was, yeah. you know, for getting us back in the football league, that is an incredible achievement. Um, and I put serious consideration into that, but I decided on Flynn in the end. The thing with yeah. Flinny for me was that with all clubs of a certain stature with ours, FA Cup runs and that sort of thing, and maybe once in a blue moon, and you might even say it's a bit of a fluke, but that guy's tactical now is to make sure that we are basically branded now for and probably for the next few seasons as the giant killers is insane you know he designed yeah. a way of playing football that it was a given that we were going to chat I, I watched games against was it Tottenham that we played um we looked excellent we looked amazing we looked on their level and until I they think, brought Harry Kane on so they brought Harry Kane on yeah <laughs> but there's only so much the pitch would level a game and to bring a, a league to um, level up to the Premier League and to the Championship on a consistent basis is credit to his man management skills and um, I'm surprised he didn't go a little higher than where he ended up at Walsall but yeah um, incredible, incredible manager Flinney. The other thing I would I would say about Flinney as well is that he was able to do all the things you've said which I massively to- totally agree with all of that but he also shifted our style of play, you know, that yeah, element yeah, yeah. of, you know, so we, so when we were playing on a pudding, 
you know, he adapted the style of play on a pudding, right? When we started getting grass, you know, ignoring Robbery for a minute, and, you know, Flinney was the one who shifted. We started playing proper football under him, um, you know, and start, and actually there was a real shift in the way we were playing football. And I think, you know, a lot of credit to, to him to be able to show that you can, you know, and this is something for the, for the G-Cock here, you know, just because you start one way with what you've yeah. got when you walk in, doesn't mean to say that's how you finish, you know? Um, and I think his ability to shift and change and develop and to look at the players and, and to have a sort of vision of maybe, maybe where he wanted to go, I thought you should take a lot of credit for that. Yeah, I I actually have to say I thought I didn't think that Flinney had it in him when we yeah you know, we came back from that preseason and we started playing Dolan at you know sweeper centre half and yeah you know, we just completely changed with this. He's lost team. his mind. What's he it doing? Was, but like <laughs> I I genuinely didn't think Flinney had it in him to be that 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 you know that that kind of manager who could adapt and change and have that different style of play. I thought you know he was obviously superb, great escape, superb in the seasons after that. Um, but then that that season, that particularly the first half of that season, we looked on another level, and all credit to him because yeah, that's all down to him changing the the style of play. It's largely the same players. Um, yeah, incredible. Really quickly, there was a goal we scored down at Cambridge away, possibly in the League Cup, when yep. it was like it was like Barcelona. We paid with about twenty passes from from front to back across. Saying like that, it, it was it was brilliant. You know, so massive credit. Well, I could happily have gone for Flynn for some of the reasons that have been mentioned. But I found myself thinking, on the basis of how I've picked my 11, I should have the same attitude to the manager. Who, who's the, the one who would make me feel excited? And so I've gone for Dean Holdsworth because although he left under a bit of a cloud, and I think in retrospect, he probably, I think, might have regretted leaving when he did because he went to Aldershot where perhaps things weren't quite as rosy as he expected and his career uh, kind of plummeted after that. But for that season, the 2009-10 season, when we were just on it, um, he was at the heart of that. You know, we started that season with 13 games unbeaten. We won promotion in the middle of March when there were still seven games to go. We got 103 points, 28 points ahead of um, Dover, who was second. I mean, that <laughs> that is just an astonishing season. And he was blessed with some of the players who were there, but he brought a lot of those in. And he turned that side that Beadle had, who were thoroughly entertaining and a little bit crazy in a lot of ways that we've talked about at length but he organized them and turned them into something that was unstoppable um and if i could go back and live any season again you know there's a there's a good range of candidates which season i would watch again but i think for pure (laughs) and giggles value it would be that season and it would be that season because of dean holdsworth so i'm having him here, here. You want some of those records for that 2009-10 season? <laughs> I've just found some of them. So this is the, this is the Conference South in a single season record. So we still hold the record for most wins in a season, 32. Fewest defeats in a season, 3. Fewest goals conceded in a season, 26. Most clean sheets, 23. Most points in a season, 103. And um, can I also just add, sorry, of some of the players who we talked about, um, Dean Holdsworth signings included Craig Reed, Danny Rhodes, Paul Bignot, 
Sam Foley, Gary Warren, you know, players who we've talked about throughout this evening. You go, well, you know, they were one of his. Like, that, that's not a bad um, record for spotting players, signing players and making them go on and do incredible things. And we weren't flush with money either, Ed. No, no, no. So it took some spotting. Has anyone yeah. done their favourite owner? And is it Chris Blight, Les Gaddin, or The Trust? <laughs> or well, favourite chairman? Jamie's got to do his manager first. Oh, God, I'll do, yeah, sorry. I'll do my manager, but yeah, we'll come back to that. Um, obviously, <laughs> obviously, it's Terry Butcher. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, it is, it is Justin Edinburgh. And um, yeah, it's um, it, it just goes to show just... The managers that we've had, you know, particularly the, the different styles, the different, um, uh, you know, just how likable they've all been that we've had so many to choose. We've all gone for a different manager, which I'm genuinely surprised with. Um, but it just goes to show that like, what what characters have sort of come through this club. Um, but, yeah, I, I had to go for Justin Edinburgh um, just because of the way that he just completely rejuvenated that team. And, you know, he had what just under two uh yeah well the first season he came well, october november time and we staved off relegation and the next season immediately went up it was just incredible like that and and yeah then he solidified our position in in the football league as well let's not forget like i know it's a bit easier these days probably in the last 10 years or so when teams coming up from the conference generally tend to do okay in their first season back in the football league but it was a big deal for us 25 years out of that division. And then the first day of the season, we go and beat Accrington 4-1. And it just like, it looked like we belonged and it looked like Justin Edinburgh belonged. Um, and him and him and Jimmy Dak had a great partnership on the, on the touchline, didn't they? Um, I did love Dak and, and I, you know, he, he, he as well was, it was another character. So we're not going to do a whole like, you know, backroom staff thing, but yeah, I did love him. He had a, he had that him and Hatswell, those kind of like characters that we had in the, in, on the bench those days. But yeah, Justin Edinburgh was my manager. And um, to continue my story of um, interviewing players at Sanctuary's Carpets. Also, I met Justin Edinburgh twice. The second time was at that carpet store um, in the outskirts of Newport. The first time was in in BBC Radio London Studios. Um, but like I said, I was doing some work for the, the non-league football show. And Justin Edinburgh was a guest at the time uh, on that show in that evening, and I was just sat there as a as a you know, avid watcher and seeing what's going on. And Anthony Hudson was still in charge um, of of Newport at the time, and he was going through a bit of a tough run. This is probably about September time, I would say. Um, and then I get wheeled on at the end of the show because they're talking about Anthony Hudson, and they're saying, "Oh yeah, what do you reckon? Should do you want to? Would you want to keep him? Do you want to see him go?" And I'm like. I was being positive at the time. I was a young and I was like, yeah, no, let's just give him the benefit of the doubt. You know, I just give him a, give him a chance, give him a few more games. Cause you know, hopefully he'll turn it around. He didn't, he got sacked. Edinburgh comes in fast forward to January. I'm speaking to Edinburgh. He remembers me. He says, Oh, I know you. You're the one who said I shouldn't get the job. I was like, Amazing. and I was like, oh. <laughs> and obviously I didn't want to say, I didn't say that. I said, I have to keep on for a little while. Cause he was clearly in the running at the time. He was clearly in the running for the job. And he probably had a twinkle in his eye when hmm. um, when I said, no, 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 keep Hudson. He was like, no, I've, I've, I'm already in there, mate. Don't you worry about that. <laughs> but um, yeah, such a character and such a gent as well. And 
yeah, just a fantastic manager, I have to say. And um, obviously, struck me it struck me really hard when you know we heard the news a few years ago yeah. um, of his passing. So we've well, agreed that we can't agree on anything. <laughs> yeah, we are going to put out our um, get the little the whole line up the whole formation thing, little graphics, and we'll put our favorite elevens. And yeah, we we had a few sort of similarities, didn't we? we had, particularly across the back line. Um, I think a few of us are similar. It was way back when, now, about three days ago when we started this podcast record. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I just can't um, believe we got through all this without Ian picking Dolan anywhere. Yeah, what happened? Was he anywhere near the team, Ian? I I was considering him for a, for a period, just partly to annoy Reese, to be honest with you. But um, you know, he, he when he when he when he probably moves on at the end of the season, we we can do a Dolan special, and I want Martin. To do all the clips of his of his of his amazing goals and rollovers and all this sort of passes, so yeah, he's you know as much as I love him, um, you know this is you know you've got to remember I'm picking the team that's going to get us in the Premier League and he won't be part of that, I'm afraid. Sorry, Matt. Yeah, I love how we've we've all come at this from a completely different angle. You've gone for your Harlem go Plough Trotters, Jack's gone for like just throw throw a box. <laughs> On the pitch and see what happens. Beetle ball. <laughs> it's incredible. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's just been great fun. And, um, well, I hope you've all enjoyed listening to this, everyone. Um, I'm sure we could probably talk for hours and hours and hours um, about everything <laughs> we have to do in already. Newport County. I know we, we already know have. We have. And it's just ticks over onto Boxing Day. So um, I'm sure everybody <laughs> is getting themselves ready to head down to AFC Wimbledon for the Boxing Day game. Um, but I think we'll wrap it up there, gents. Um, that was a barrel of laughs, great fun. And yeah, I hope everybody's enjoyed listening. Uh, hope you all have a very Merry Christmas. Uh, enjoy the rest of your holidays and stay safe and keep it counting. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.